Hey everybody, good afternoon. Um, it's Wednesday and it's Wednesday. So anyway, um, I just, I wanted to um, start this video for you. Um, I'm, I'm starting a series, a new series called God the Abuser. And, um, and so this is gonna, I don't know how long it's gonna last, however long it takes me to say everything that God wants me to say is how long it's gonna take. So um, try to look for all my videos, you know, for this entire series. Um, I just want to let you know that when I'm talking today, we're not going to be doing a lot of scripture work today. Um, I've been talking to the Lord about what He wants me to tell everybody about Him being an abuser, and um, and a lot of that involves my own story. So, y'all forgive me if you are soft-hearted or hyper-religious. This probably is going to step on your toes or hurt your feelings a little bit. Um, I love you anyway, and God loves you anyway. So, so that being said, I'll just jump right in. Um, I'm going to start this off with um, with what got this started. Now, this is something that I preach in the prisons all the time, um, but I wasn't going to preach it on Facebook because there are some personal things that I have to share that um, that I'm just not um, I wasn't really comfortable with. So now I am. And I'm going to tell you the story of how God brought that desire in my heart to share that with you. Um, Heath is on the road. He's working. And sometimes, excuse me, I watch movies that he would consider boring. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know that other women don't do this when their husbands aren't around. They probably watch action flicks, which I do. Like, I love born identity. But that is not the point. The point is that when he's not around, sometimes I watch movies that are definitely chick flicks that he would get no um, enjoyment out of. And so I was uh, roaming around the TV a couple weeks ago, and I found this movie called The Scarlet Thread. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it, and if you remember, he was in Gangs of New York, and I thought he did, uh, I think that's his name, Daniel Day-Lewis. Anyway, he did a great job. That guy's in it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a great movie. And so I watched it, and... Um, um, in my opinion, it was terrible. You might have a different opinion. If you love that movie, I apologize, but that is my opinion. Okay, so here is what happened in the movie and why God uh, brought that about to my attention so that I could minister what happened. Okay, so um, in the movie, Daniel Day-Lewis is a dressmaker and he's very um, sought after and um, he's in Britain, and he's very, very, um, he's very astute, he's very wealthy, he does this for queens, he does this for, you know, royalty, he does it for politicians, he does it for everybody. He makes them dresses, and it's a big deal. Anyway, he finds this woman, and he's weird, like he, he um, has all these OCD things that he does, and um, anyway, he finds this woman that he's attracted to, and she's quite a bit younger than him, and he brings her to his house, and he starts using her as a model and they sort of develop this relationship where they have intercourse but they're not really a thing but they kind of are a thing but they're not really a thing anyway the girl falls in love with Daniel Day Lewis and he is a complete jerk to her but he falls in love she falls in love with him and he really just brushes her off and just uses her for her modeling and honestly for sex and so um so anyway they she gets mad she gets mad that she's being used like this so in a passive aggressive way she goes out into the forest and she picks these mushrooms and they're poisonous mushrooms and she boils them up and she serves them to him 
and poisons him. And it doesn't kill him, but it's enough to knock him on his butt for a couple days. Well, she gets everybody else, all of his doctors, his sister, everybody out of the house. And she is the one who takes care of him and she nurses him back to health. And like, he has this epiphany, like, oh my gosh, she's my savior. She's the most great, she's the greatest woman in the world, this and that. So he asks her to marry him. So she, so she tries to kill him and then gets what she wants. He asks her to marry him. So of course she says yes, cause she's in love with him. And, um, then their marriage doesn't work because it's twisted anyway. Both people are twisted. It doesn't work. So, um, anyway, he just starts in on her and he's abusive again and, and he's, and he's rigid and he's got OCD and all this stuff. And she is feeling, um, neglected again and not good enough and he won't take her out and all this stuff. And of course, the same exact behaviors that he displayed ahead of time is what he's displaying in his marriage, only worse. And so she's just not going to have it. So she goes out and she picks the poisonous mushrooms again. And they go away for a country weekend. And so he's watching her cook and he cook, she cooks these poisonous mushrooms. And he watches her cook the mushrooms. And then he fe she feeds them to him and he like eats them in this soup and she tells him, she says... Um, that I want you flat on your back, almost dead and dependent completely on me so that I can be the only one that saves you. And at this moment, when I was watching this movie, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And instead of, I don't know, instead of the reaction that he should have had of, or that he should have had, sorry, I'm getting really excited or that she should have had, you know what he said? He said, I love you and he kissed her and he ate the rest of the stupid poison mushroom soup and then he's puking and sick and she's there to nurse him and every excuse me I'm sorry my hair is messing with me every single time that he starts getting prideful she looks at him and he asks her to give the poisonous soup to her to him and he allows her to poison him so that she can nurse him back to health completely sick and twisted okay and so I was watching this movie a couple weeks ago and I was pissed when I watched the movie I was so freaking mad I was mad at him for being OCD I was mad at her for poisoning him I was just mad I was just mad right and God started talking to me and he started bringing up some of the things in my past and some of the things that I've learned by going into the prisons okay so here's I'm gonna share those things with you um, first of all <coughs> excuse me um, let me share a little bit of my story when I was nine years old, um, when I was nine years old, I was uh, raped for three days straight by um, a man, not a little kid, a man, raped me um, consecutively three days straight when I was nine. And it really messed with my mind. And so I, I reacted in ways that I shouldn't have reacted in. Um, when I was about 13, 14 years old, I loved God very much, but I had no idea how to have a personal relationship with God. And so this friend of mine introduced me to a cult and I didn't know it was a cult because it, it was an all Spanish Pentecostal church and it turned out to be a cult and, um, to where I couldn't, I couldn't wear 
jeans, I couldn't wear makeup, I couldn't fix my hair, I had to um, wear a dress, I could only listen to Christian music, I couldn't listen to any secular music, I couldn't watch any secular TV, I had to be in the Bible, it was complete religious control. So I, that was an abuse that I had. And then when I got older, I got into situations where I was in relationships, and um, those relationships that I had, the um, I was beaten, I've had bones broken, I have been um, thrown down flights of stairs, I've been sexually um, assaulted with objects, I have been raped many times after that, but never by somebody I wasn't in a relationship, only by, by someone I was in a relationship with, and I have been beaten to where I couldn't walk before. Um, I've had all of this stuff happen to me. I've had all of those physical and sexual abuses happen to me, and then I've had verbal abuse on top of that. I have walked in and caught somebody that I was in a relationship with um, in in the middle of intercourse with another woman, and that person blamed me and said it was my fault um, because I was too stuck up. Um, so I have experienced the gamut of sexual, physical, mental, uh, um, and emotional abuse. I have experienced every kind of abuse that a person can experience. Verbal abuse, I think that was the last one. So when I tell you these stories and when I talk to you about God being an abuser, please understand that I am not somebody who has never experienced a bad day in her life. If you know me, you know that I have been through absolute hell in my life. Um, not just the abuse that I've been through, I believe that gives me some, some sort of credit to speak on this issue, but I've also, I've watched um, somebody very, very, very close to me die. He died in my arms, um, and two months later, my dad died. I have lost everything in a bankruptcy. I have had attack after attack after attack come after me and wreck my whole life over and over and over again. So when I talk to you about God being an abuser, please understand that I am not somebody who just is a, is a sweet little Christian who just wants to share the word with you. Yes, I want to share the word with you, but it's because I have been through absolute hell and God has gotten me through on the other side. And there are some things that people need to know that they don't know about God. And this is one of them. Now, first of all, um, besides the Daniel Day-Lewis story and then, then my stories, um, I've been into lots of prisons, and when I first started going into prisons, um, I I was very interested in 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 helping and telling you know telling these people certain things. And um, one of the first experiences that I had in prison, I I was in Texas, and I went with a really really large prison ministry. And in that prison ministry, uh, you actually go into the cells with the inmates instead of the normal prison ministry where you're, you know, standing up preaching and that kind of thing. But I actually went in to a prison to an inmate cell with her and she started to talk to me and she she said to me that she was in prison for uh, arson and her younger sister was in another prison in the state of Texas um, for stabbing her six-year-old stepson like 87 times and then another woman was in prison for super gluing her baby's her you know two-year-old or a year and a half old baby's hands to the wall because the little baby was taking its diaper off 
<clears throat> and at that moment, when I'm hearing these stories on the ins inside of me, I have all this rage and I have all this anger and I have, I actually said to myself, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd be put in here with you, I would kill you myself because I had so much human rage on the inside of me for what had been done that I couldn't, I couldn't reckon it. So I went on speaking to these people and, and, and turns out that, that, you know, they got saved and all this, but, um, but when I finished talking to them, God said something really pointed to me. And that's what I'm going to say to you. God said to me, he said, Wednesday, he said, no amount of time behind bars, no amount of classes, no amount of counseling can save anybody. He said, either I have to be real or you just, anybody who does anything wrong, you just need to kill them right now because it's just pure evil, right? And so God started talking to me about what I had been through, the things that I had done and what these other people had been through. Now, another thing that God told me in that moment was that every single person, I don't care who you are, I don't, I don't care what your station in life is, every single person who has suffered any kind of abuse in your life, period, you will snap. You absolutely will snap. I have people very close to me, males in my life, who have been raped by clergy members. I have males in my life who have been beaten by their fathers and they have turned to be homosexuals um, or they have just turned completely against God. Everybody snaps. If you suffer abuse long enough, you snap. Now, all of that to talk about God being an abuser, okay? So here's where this story came from. I was talking to a, a woman who would go into the prisons and preach. And this woman was of a different denominational class than, than myself, and I don't wanna I don't wanna talk about that because that's not important. What's important is that I was talking to this person who had never done anything wrong. I don't think the woman ever had a speeding ticket. Um, she was going into prisons because the Bible says to not forget the people that are in the prison. And so she goes into the prison and she <laughs> she tells the inmates that God <laughs> that God put them there so that he could talk to them to correct them okay and then so I so I, I knew enough about God to know that that wasn't the truth so I knew that me and God were fixing to have a conversation when I got to my to to myself to, to be alone so I was talking to an inmate <clears throat> and who had just been in um, a, a, a service with this woman. And I said to this inmate, I said, um, what do you think about that? And I knew from talking to this inmate previously that that particular inmate was in there and she was brand new in the prison and she was freaking out, freaking out. She wanted out. She was appealing. She was trying to get let go to a halfway house. She was, I mean, every possible avenue of freedom that could be um, gone down, this, this chick was going down it. She was trying with her whole heart to get free, okay? I knew that from talking to her previously. And so when I asked her what, why, what she thought about what this, this woman had said about how God had put her in there, this inmate said to me, I think God put me in here to to shut me down. I think I need to be in here so that um, God can teach me. Okay, all right, and that's and that, and so that's that's what happened. 
And so I, I got alone with God later and I said, okay, all right, here's the thing, Lord. Um, I love you, period. And I don't know if, if you're the kind of God who, who puts people in prison to shut him up or to control him or to teach him or whatever, but I'm going to serve you either way. So you got to tell me, I love you and I need to know the truth. And God said to me, he said, faith comes by hearing and hearing um, comes by the word of God. Now, I know that that messes with you if you know that verse, but that's actually what it says in the original Greek. Um, and I said, that's great, Lord, uh, but how does that help me? And he says, faith comes by hearing. So he said, I want you to open your mouth and I want you to preach to yourself because I'm going to put the words in your mouth. So I started preaching to myself and I started getting some revelation that I'm going to share with you over the course of this study that wrecked me. Okay. Now, um, the very first thing that has to be true is that God is not a respecter of persons. If God, that what that means is if he does something for one person, he'll do it for all people. Okay. We know that, right? God, God doesn't say, Oh, well, you're Mexican. I'm not going to do this for you. Or you're white. I'm not going to do this for you. Or you don't have any money. I'm not going to do this for you. Or you have too much money. I'm not going to do this for you or whatever. He doesn't respect persons. He looks at people's hearts. Everybody else looks like, looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Okay. So if it's true that God shuts his children down and puts them in prison and various other things, then it would have to be true for everybody. Okay. All right, now, back to when I was ministering to myself. I'm preaching to myself in, in this moment of prayer with God. And I said, Lord, you got to show me. And he led me to a verse that I know by heart. I'm not even going to look at my Bible. I know it by heart because in that moment, he dropped it in my spirit. And that is Lamentations. That's in the Old Testament. Lamentations 3, 33 through 36. And that verse, those verses say that God does not afflict willingly. God does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. I'm going to let that sink in a second. God does not afflict people willingly. It is against his will when people are afflicted. It, it is against God's will when people are afflicted. He doesn't grieve the children of men. There's more to that verse that goes along with prisoners. Um, but for the sake of this argument, that's where I'm going to stop. Now, um, when I, when I was talking to some of those people who were incarcerated, oh, my battery is going, but we're going to just keep going. Um, when I was talking to some of those people who were incarcerated, some of the things that they said were that they got, they, they had been raped. They had been beaten by their husbands. Um, all of this stuff that I had experienced, the rape, the beating, the, the physical abuse, the vile, everything, just everything. And so, so when I, when I got to talking to them, I said, so you believe that it's God's will that you're in here? Oh, yes. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, they're comp that's Romans 8, um, 28 by, or 26, by the way. And um, they're completely misunderstanding that verse. So where this comes home is that I was standing in front of a prisoner who had been incarcerated for videoing. No, I was standing in front of a prisoner who was uh, who was incarcerated for videoing her boyfriend raping her her child, right? And and nobody likes her because that kind of crap will get you killed in prison, okay? Um, but then there's another one 
that who had suffered abuse, who was a particular, um, they, they hated each other because this one had suffered abuse as a baby and this one had encouraged abuse on a baby, right? So this other one, I got to talk to this one too. And she had been raped as a child. And I said, you believe that, um, that, God, that everything works together, that God is sovereign and that he's the one, he's in control of everything and that everything that happens is God's will. And she said, yes, because that is what she had been taught by people who had been gone, who had gone into the prison because she didn't know a thing of God on her own outside. She'd never heard God preached outside of prison. And so she'd been taught in prison that everything was the will of God. And I said, you mean everything? I said, you mean when you were a child and you were being raped, that was the will of God? Well, I guess it had to be, she says. And I said, like hell, like hell, God is up there. God is up there with, with a three-year-old, watching a three-year-old or, or an infant or some kind of baby be raped. And God's going, yeah, do it again. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you serious right now? That is not God. Are you freaking kidding me? I wanted to knock her out. The spirit of slap came all over me. Man, I wanted to knock her the crap out. That is so stupid. And it's not God. God is not an abuser. I'm so, I get fired up because God, it pisses me off that people accuse God of being so in control that he would command a baby be raped or a baby be killed or millions of Jews be wiped out and slaughtered. Are you freaking kidding me? So, so this journey is very near to my heart. It's very dear to my heart. We're going to delve into some things, so many things. We're going to delve into things that non-believers think about God, that believers think about God, not just the extreme that I've just mentioned, but also the minuscule where you think that God is is the one in charge of um, giving you a flat tire because you didn't do this and that, because you got drunk, because you haven't been following him the way that you should, that you think that God is the one who, um, you know, I don't know what, who, who's wrecking your bank account so that you don't overspend or that who, or who, is constantly using calamity to teach you. I'm going to talk about Job. I'm going to talk about um, Joseph. I'm going to talk about John 10. I'm going to talk about everything in the Bible that people use to say that God is an abusive God because God is not an abuser. I have been abused. And one of the things that I noticed about being abused is that when somebody would abuse me, all of a sudden they would get this feeling of remorse and they would and they would say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And I would think like the first time it happened, I was like, "Well, they didn't mean it. They lost their temper. They didn't mean it." And then when you know, when things were calm, I would talk to them about that. And you know what? And you know what that sucker said to me? He said, "It was your fault because I told you not to do what you did." When I was raped when I was 9, the person who raped me said I'm doing this because you're so beautiful. Are you kidding me? I deserve to be raped because I look the way that I look when I was nine. How beautiful could I have been? I was nine freaking years old. Are you serious? And so abusers tend to say that the person that they victimize is the reason. And that's what people say about God. Not only that God is sovereign, which you don't even freaking know what that word means, most of you. Um, number one, number two, they say that um, that God brought that God did this to you because you didn't da da da, or because you did da da da. Well, that's exactly what my abuser said. It's your fault that that I did this to you because you did this and that. Well, that 
is a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I am going to dismantle it brick by brick, piece by piece, line by line. And whoever watches this video, if if you have been through abuse, if you know through somebody who's been abused, you if you know an abuser, if you if if you know anybody who's turned from God because of something that has happened to them in their life, I encourage you that I encourage you to get them to watch this video series because I'm going to tell you about the God that loves you, the God that sent his son to die for you, not the God who sends calamity and hell on you. Not the God who twists and turns and uses Satan to bring crap on you so that you'll turn to him. Okay? I'm going to teach you everything that there is to know about why God is not an abuser and why God loves you with his whole heart. Now, just for the record, uh, the guy who raped me is completely forgiven. Everybody who's ever beat me is completely forgiven. And everybody who's ever hurt me in any way is completely forgiven. Um, and I am able to stand up here or sit up here before you um, with a really solid marriage with great kids, with a great relationship with everyone in my family because God brought me through this, all of it, because I allowed him to. And so that's where I want to encourage you. If you are in a situation where you feel like um, you can't get out because this happened or that happened, here's what you do. You go straight to, you turn off your Facebook and you get on your knees and you go to God and say, God, take this. I know that you didn't do it. Take it. Use it for my good and your glory. Lord, just just help me get through this. And he will. All right. So um, I'm going to I'm going to close up right now. I'm going to post this on um, on YouTube. So if you know of anybody who needs it, who's not going to catch this Facebook live video, please hit up my YouTube channel, Water, Wind, Wine Ministries. And then I'm going to put a link to the video into my into my channel in face on Facebook so that you can find that remember that we go into the prisons um, and we minister to people who are who are not able to to give tithes and offerings so I just want to let you know that we can receive tithes and offerings now as water wind wine ministries just hit me up on Facebook if that's something you feel led to do if not it's not a problem at all I love you just as much I'll pray for you I'll disciple you I'll minister to you I'll give you everything I got and I don't want a thing from you um, I love you so much but not near as much as God loves you all right y'all you have a wonderful and a blessed